I know you're not used to me being quiet. (laughs) One of the sad things about the church today in America is that we have largely lost our voice. Who is the church? Not those other people. Not somebody somewhere else. Who is the church of God? It's us. And I'm not talking about a political voice or anything like that. I'm talking about our voice all around us in our own community. This morning we're looking, we're, last week we looked at the second half of the first chapter of Acts. Now we're going back to the beginning and we're looking at the purpose of the church that Jesus gave to us. And it is to have a voice. It is to speak. Because we have something to say that's absolutely critical. But we've largely become a silent people outside of our own walls. So listen to what Jesus says to us in chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we refer to this as the Great Commission. In fact, it's found in the Bible how many times? How many of you know? How many times is this commission? With slightly different wording, but this basic commission, how many places is it? This is the fifth time that this is recorded. Each of the Gospels. And now, just to make sure that we understand what's going to happen later, Luke refers to it again and points us to this one. And in some ways, this is almost the easiest and simplest of the commission statements. It says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Now, these five Great Commission statements use different words. Some talk about you will go and make disciples. Others say you will proclaim this good news to all creation. All of that's interconnected because as we're His witnesses, we declare the good news to all of creation. And as a result, we make disciples. They're all talking about the same task in slightly different ways. But there are three pieces of this commission that are consistent. They're found in all five places. One, there is the authority of the person giving us the commission. Jesus makes it clear that as the risen Son of God, He has the authority to give us this task. That's in all five of the commission statements. And in each one of them, it says that this is not something that we're going to be able to accomplish on our own. How in the world could we go to the whole world and declare this message on our own? We can't. But he promises that he is giving us the presence of God himself, the Holy Spirit, and he's told them that they're to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes to them 
And then once empowered, this is their task. Next week, we will look at the second chapter and the coming of the Holy Spirit with power for the church. Because here's our purpose, and next week we'll talk more specifically about that power. This idea of witness is found actually in the Old Testament. Uh, You can see there in your notes, if you want, Isaiah 43. Several places it talks about God. God says to His people, it's as if God Himself is on trial in the world today. In English, as C.S. Lewis says, God is in the dock. He's been brought to trial. And today we see that, in a sense, God and Jesus Christ are on trial. They are on trial in the court of personal decision. Every person in the world today is making a decision about God, about Jesus, and they are in court of public opinion in America today. All around us, God is on trial. In our schools, in the media, conversations we hear all around us, people are many bringing accusations against God. And what God is saying there in Isaiah and what Jesus is saying to us here is they're bringing their witnesses, they're testifying against this Who will stand and bear witness for God? Who will stand and bear witness? Who will testify on behalf of Jesus Christ? And Jesus says, it's us. Who else is there? Yeah, look around. Look around. Okay. Don't we all wish they could find somebody better than us? We're it. We're it. Those sinners who have been redeemed by His grace, who know the truth, and now the trial is taking place, and they're calling witnesses, and who will stand? I know we think, oh my goodness, that being a witness, that sounds really complicated. Maybe I might say the wrong thing. Well, in our contemporary court system, there are three common forms of witness. And so I want to just talk about those this morning briefly because I believe that we, each one of us, can feel each one of those types of witness. The first one is someone who simply tells what he or she has seen or experienced. They're not, they're not bringing in any kind of technical knowledge Uh, But they're just saying, here's what I saw, or here's what I've seen, or here's what I personally experienced. And this kind of testimony is very powerful and compelling, isn't it? My favorite example of this is from John's Gospel, chapter 9. That whole chapter is the story of Jesus healing a man born blind. He did it on the Sabbath. The Pharisees didn't like it. And so they got into a big theological debate. Now, we know they didn't like Jesus to begin with, and they didn't like the fact that he had healed this man, and they just could not believe that this had happened, and so they denied that this man had even been born blind. Even though everyone knew him because they saw him every day, they knew that was the man, but the Pharisees just simply wouldn't believe it. And so they tried to get into this big debate with this man who's just received this sight. He's excited. 
And they're arguing with him about whether Jesus is a sinner. And his response is absolutely classic. Whether this man is a sinner or not, I don't know. But I was blind. And now I see. It just destroyed the whole theological argument, their whole position. I was blind, and now I see. There's something compelling about that kind of testimony. He couldn't explain blindness. He didn't know their theology. But he knew what had happened to him. It's interesting that as our culture is moving from the modern, modern culture demands... Facts, it wants evidence, and those are still important in our Christian witness. But as we move more and more into a postmodern phase in, in our country, and there are many people around us today who feel and think in, from that perspective, they, they don't want facts, they're really valuing experience. You and I are living in a time where maybe more than any time in recent history, in America at least, our personal testimony ought to carry weight. It ought to carry weight. Oh, we could say just like the blind man, okay, I, I can't argue all the things you're talking about. I don't know your philosophical position, but this one thing I know. There was a time I didn't believe in God or I didn't know Jesus personally, and now I do. That's compelling. That's powerful. We can be an eyewitness based upon our personal experience with God. There's a second kind of witness who speaks on behalf of one who's been defamed or is suspected of doing something wrong. Now, I have to admit, it does help if the character witness has good character. That's usually helpful in court because it adds weight to the testimony. But there are times in the court of law where someone will say this person is not believable or credible or doesn't know what they're talking about or simply this person is a liar or has some other reason that we should not trust them today in this court. And I'm telling you that those kinds of accusations are being raised against God and Jesus every day around us. God is not real. Or if he is real, he doesn't matter. Perhaps they say he doesn't care. He's not involved. Maybe they say, okay, Jesus, I can believe that he was a good teacher but that's all I can believe. I usually ask them, so what exactly that he taught do you really like? And they have absolutely no idea, mostly. There are all kinds of accusations against the very character of God. He's being defamed publicly all around us. It's time that the defense is not resting. 
It's time for someone to stand up and say, no, I believe, my experience, I know God is good and powerful and that He cares about us. I believe. I trust the testimony of God Himself. If not us, who will stand and bear witness? And then there's that third type. Now, this one we think, okay, this lets us off the hook because this person is able to speak from knowledge or expertise. This person can clear up misunderstandings and provides information that clarifies a case. So now we're talking about the expert witness. And we normally think of this in terms of like maybe a doctor coming in, even a specialist coming in about some kind of medical condition or an expert in the law, or so many different areas that an expert witness could be brought in in the middle of a case. You are an expert. How long have you been a follower of Jesus? Have you read the Bible before? Have you ever been to church at least twice in your lifetime? Compared to most of those around us, you are now an expert. One of our classes the week before last here uh, at Golden Gate was out in the community sharing their faith. And over a couple of days, they had the chance to share with 80 people. Uh, Interestingly enough, the class decided after the second day that this was actually amazingly simple and easy to just walk up to somebody and start sharing their faith the first time they met them. It took a little training to get there, but that's that's what they experienced. And here's what they found out. In the 80 people that they talked to, one was a Christian. Now, that's statistically right on target. That is statistically right on target. Now, when we lived overseas and we were studying different people groups and we found one that was less than 2% Christian, you know what we said? That's an unreached people group and we're now going to put resources there to bring the gospel because they don't know. Marin is an unreached people group. We live in the midst of an unreached people group. And as they shared with these 80 people, all of whom listened to a full presentation of the gospel, what they found is that at least 60, so we believe over 75% of them had absolutely no idea what Christians believe. Now, here's what many of them said. You see if this is what Christians believe. If you're a good person and you go to church, Christians believe that you'll go to heaven. Is that the good news? That's not the good news. That is not what we believe and teach. We believe... That Jesus Christ died for our sins and offers us salvation and a relationship with God based solely on His grace. It is not about being good. Now, we are encouraged to be good if we believe, but we can't be good enough to be right with God. We can't. We're guilty before God. So, it appears that at least 75% of the people around us have absolutely no idea 
what we believe. I, I was sitting on a plane, um, actually coming back from Southern California a week ago yesterday, sat by a young man heading to Idaho, and uh, we got to talking about faith. He saw me reading a book and asked me about my book, and I told him that I was a follower of Jesus and began to share with him. And he said, well, I, 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 don't, I don't believe in Christianity. And I said, well, what exactly is it that you don't believe? He had absolutely no idea. So I told him. I thought he ought to know what it is he doesn't believe. And most of the people around us deserve that opportunity, don't they? They deserve the right to know what it is that they don't believe. They have, the, they have a free choice to not believe, but it's our responsibility to try to help them know so that they can make a choice that makes sense. Whatever it is that they decide. So compared to at least 75% of the people around us, every person in this room has now been declared an expert. You are an expert witness. Because we're living in a time when there is so little knowledge. So Jesus said that this is our purpose as believers and as the church. To bear witness. To stand on His behalf. To speak up for Jesus Christ and for the gospel and for God in our society. To say, yes, I believe. And here it is what I believe. How are you doing? Now, we're, I'm not gonna, we're not giving grades out today. We're not giving grades out. But if you were to give your, yourself a grade, where would you be? For the people who know you, for your neighbors, for your colleagues, for your friends, for that person that you speak to on a regular basis at the coffee shop, how many of them have any knowledge of Jesus? The most important news in the world. And if they don't hear about Him from us, who will they hear it from? Now Jesus said that this purpose is intended in a very broad sense. He says, you're going to do this in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Jerusalem. That was the central city. I would say for us, Jerusalem is Marin. We have church members living all over the county. If we drew a circle a mile big around each one of our homes, then we would cover a large percentage. If we followed the people that we personally know in this county, we spread all through this county. This is our Jerusalem And it's where our witness ought to start. It's where we need to stand up and say, I believe. Here's who Jesus is. Judea is the broader area. And so we could say that's California. We could say that's the United States. We are involved in ministry in California and in the United States through our giving through our church and through offerings that we give to the North American Mission Board and to California Southern Baptists. We are having a ministry as a church in Judea. Samaria, Samaria was not far away from Jerusalem and Judea, but it was a bit of an ethnic, linguistic, and cultural gap 
I think those of you who've been very involved in feeding those who feed us each summer have been involved in a ministry to Samaria. You're reaching out. You're going somewhere specifically to build relationships and reach out and share the good news of Jesus with a people who are separated from us in some ways. And to the ends of the earth, he says. Mike and Grace are here today. They've come from the ends of the earth. We have missionaries out on the wall back there just outside that we support as a church. We support this through our regular giving and through that Lighty Moon Christmas offering that we heard about earlier today that we're so close to hitting the 30,000 mark. If there's somebody who hasn't given yet, let's hit that one. Okay? Really, we're so close. We do support, we do pray, and we do go to some of these places. And that's part of our ministry of being a witness to the ends of the earth. Now, there's some people out there, a lot of people out there go, who do you Christians think you are trying to tell everybody about Jesus? The only answer to that question is, we're followers of Jesus trying to obey His command. We don't think we're smarter than anybody else or better than anybody else. We're simply sinners saved by grace, trying to obey our Master who said, this news is so important the whole world ought to know. It's my prayer and hope that soon we will be able to increase our giving to support fully one of those missionaries on that wall out there. We've never given that much, but we're getting closer. We are. We're getting closer. I'd love for our church to say we're supporting at least one out there at the ends of the earth. We have relationships with some of those missionaries. We support them. We pray for them. We go and encourage them. We minister to them. And I want us to continue doing that. The ones that we've been most mostly involved with or in uh, a rather dangerous, difficult place. I'd like for us to continue supporting them while also picking an area of the world where we can go and get off the plane and immediately begin to tell openly about Jesus Christ. I think that would be good for our church. I think people around the world would hear that might not otherwise hear. So the question is, how do we get started? My my intention today is not to throw guilt on you. I believe it's God's intention that we be reminded of the opportunity we have. Let me say this. When you and I bear witness to the truth of Jesus Christ, we change relationship in every direction. We bring honor to God. And that ought to be a driving force in our lives. We ourselves are transformed. When we break through our fear, we personally are transformed by that. And we give people we know information that could change their lives forever. I believe God wants us to be more concerned about His reputation than ours. And at times we act as if we are embarrassed about God. We ought to stand and simply say, I believe. So how do we get started? First of all, we need to be praying. 
If you're not witnessing and you're not praying about it, then that's probably not going to change. We ought to be praying for our friends, our family, our neighbors, our schoolmates, our colleagues. We ought to be praying for those that we know don't believe. And we ought to be praying that God would prepare us to be a witness. Beginning tonight and then several more Sunday nights scattered over the next uh, month or so, we'll be coming here and looking at very simple steps about how to share our faith. It's, it's, it's very simple, not technical. We're going to actually practice together. And tonight, we're going to start with, how can I be an eyewitness? Me. How can I be an eyewitness about Jesus Christ? And we'll practice that together. Some of you want to do this and know that God is calling you to do this and you haven't known how to get started. Tonight and for these Sunday nights, we will be looking at very practical ways of getting started. And then, can you think of someone right now that may not hear if you don't tell them? They're all around us, actually. We don't have to look very far. They may not hear if we don't share this important news. Just tell them. Just tell them. You know, every Sunday we sing a hymn of invitation. And that invitation is given to each of us. There are some here this morning who may not have ever trusted Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been exploring You've never trusted Jesus Christ. We would love for you today to decide to trust Him, to give your life to Him, to believe that He died for your sins and that He wants to have a relationship with you. Most of us in the room are believers. We already know Him. He's already saved us. And we've read this morning, Acts 1.8, that says He's calling us to be His witnesses. Would you sing this song with me? Here am I, send me. Now, maybe not to Zimbabwe, though he might. How about across the street? How about to your best friend? Would you pray and sing along? Lord, here am I, send me. Let's stand and sing.